tuned in to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Welcome to the Village Vision Podcast. My name is Dr. Crystal Morrison, and I'm honored to be your host on this incredible journey. As a firm believer in the power of a united village, I'm thrilled to bring you inspiring stories, research, and projects that break down barriers in child and family care. Through heartfelt conversations with experts, advocates, and those with lived experiences, we'll showcase the transformative impact of collective support. So join me on the Village Vision podcast as we explore the remarkable collaborations that lead to better outcomes, foster a sense of community, and inspire action to improve care for ourselves and everyone around us. Today, I'm here with Dr. Jess Patton. Dr. Patton is an educator, speaker, and advocate. She experiences the world of special needs as both a parent and a professional. In addition to her 20 years in education, she is also the founder and president of Sense of Connection, a nonprofit serving the autism community, as well as the owner of Patton Advocacy and Consulting. With her extensive experience, Dr. Patton understands that working with children with special needs can be filled with the most rewarding moments intertwined with some extremely difficult struggles. Welcome, Dr. Patton. Thank you for having me. So we're definitely going to talk about your nonprofit and your consulting work. But before we go there, I want you to share with the listeners the why behind your work. You know, for everyone on this show, there's some sort of personal driver. So can you share a little bit about your personal story with us? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I'm a mom of two teenage boys diagnosed on the spectrum. They also have some other diagnoses, but the one I'd like to highlight is they both have a blood clotting disorder. Mm -hmm. So it's a very unique experience having two children with autism and sensory needs got to be very careful, especially because they're sure. speakers and, you know, blood clotting disorder doesn't lend to rough and tough and sports play. So mm-hmm. those two are my why. Uh, and being a mom in a very rural area in a very close knit family, we didn't have a lot of access to services. And when I mean services, I mean therapies, yeah. ABA, OTPT, all those things that, you know, are needed to help our children grow and learn with special needs. And so I felt very alone. We didn't, you know, living in a rural country family, you know, we didn't really recognize that there was anything wrong with my sons. And so I, I felt even more alone. Um, and, and being an educator, I did have that advantage of like, yeah, something's just not right here. But yet I would talk to my friends or I talked to my family and, oh, no, they're okay. Everything's fine. They're just being boys. Sure. Um, and it wasn't until like I really started to put my foot down that I saw the separation. I saw the isolation. I saw the stigma. And I was like, whoa, no, this this got to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, those those mom instincts really kick in, right? And you know that in order for your children to get the help that they need and that they deserve, you've really got to stick your neck out for them and, and fight for them, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and when you start fighting for things that you believe or your child needs, you start isolating yourself further and you start mm-hmm. seeing who's truly your friend, who's truly in yeah. your tribe who's really supporting you and who 
thinks you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I know when we've talked about this before, you know, I've, I certainly had some similar experiences. You know, I often heard when my child was very young, uh, you just need to spank him. You just need to be a better parent. You just need to be stronger. And so you're not only dealing with the fact that you intrinsically know as a parent that something's not quite right. You're also dealing with the fact that you know that your family and extended family and community are judging you as a parent because they think that you're doing a terrible job and you just need to discipline your child more, right? Like, I know you understand this. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, well, you know, you just spoiled brat syndrome. And I'm exactly. like, no, that's not, that's not really not the, what is happening here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, yes, definitely have been there. We're going to take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing today. And we will be right back on the Village Vision podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. Okay, now we're back on the Village Vision podcast with Dr. Jess Patton. So Jess, you and I were talking about the why, you know, part of the driver behind your work with both your nonprofit and the consulting work that you're doing. You mentioned uh, more than one time as we were talking earlier about that sense of being alone and isolated. And I know for I think almost every parent that I've talked to has a child with a disability, a diagnosis. There's that feeling of being alone. I know I've experienced it. So let's talk a little bit more about that work that you're doing today with a nonprofit and consulting. What does that look like? Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to back up a little bit. Please go ahead. The the nonprofit spun out of my dissertation study. And Uh I like to mention my dissertation study because I... My participants were right here in my area. They were moms and dads and parents and caregivers just like me. So it wasn't that I reached out to other areas of the world. They're local right here. And so I think that has a huge impact 
because I'm not the only one feeling this way. Mm -hmm. And when I did my study, I found there was three major factors that influenced parent stress. Because let's face it, parents of children with special needs, we are statistically the most stressed parents. You can look it up. There's tons of research on it. You can't buffalo that. That's just, it is what it is. And so I studied, well, why are we so stressed out, especially people in my setting that are rural and country livers. And so when I looked at just our access to services, we just don't have it out here. When we live in an urban or a more city area, we can walk down a couple blocks and access speech and language therapy, occupational therapy, all the services that our child would need to be successful in the country. We don't have easy access to it. A lot of times our families don't have transportation or -hmm. don't have access to public transportation. And so even if they didn't drive a car or own a car or have the capabilities to drive, having that mass transit is not always available. The other thing that I looked at was the social stigma and the isolation. And I have found that for many factors, close-knit families, just, you know, traditional views that, like I mentioned earlier, Our families just feel so isolated, and so it's connected into their child's behaviors. So a good example that, you know, I share a lot is when we walk down to the downtown diner, and when I say downtown, it's not really a big downtown, (laughs) you know, our, our child is exhibiting behaviors related to autism or their disability, and you're stared at. There's immediate judgment, and you just feel like, well, why even bother going? Because then you're asked to leave. Same thing with department stores and grocery stores. And so, you know, those are the things that I studied. And those are the reasons why we're stressed out. And so the nonprofit sense of connection spun out of that. We serve the autism community with three different prongs. We provide education and research for our families. We do things at local farms. We do things at parks, providing just play dates, things for our families so they feel connected. We also do first responder trainings. It's very important to me that first responders, the people who are going to save our lives, be there first on the scene, that they understand that, first of all, you met one child with autism, you've only met one child with autism. They're not all going to be the same. Um, You know, so I I want to be able to just give them that basic education that, okay, they may respond differently. They may run away from you. They may do things that look odd or bizarre, but be prepared for that as much as you can. The other thing that we provide is a gift card program. And a lot of our families just don't have access to the equipment. And what I mean by that is, you know, some of our children jump. They love trampolines. A lot of our children like pressure vests, or maybe they love fidgets. Our families may not be able to afford those things. And so our nonprofit provides a $100 gift card to a local sensory equipment vendor. And so that is another way we reach out to our families. And I travel, provide education, just reach out to our families. And I've seen a great difference having that community built through the nonprofit. That's fantastic. And, you know, for our listeners, Dr. Patton and I live maybe 45 minutes to an hour from each other. I live within the city of Pittsburgh and she doesn't live very far. But what she's talking about, about, you know, being in an urban area and resources, you know, we don't live very far apart. But here within, you know, the city, my my children have definitely benefited from having all of the different types of therapies within the city. I mean, the wait times are a different story, but they're at least within the city and, and more accessible. I myself personally grew up in a very rural area in, in Arkansas. And 
there were no resources. <laughs> you know, there was not a, a child therapist, let alone an occupational therapist, physical therapist, speech therapist that specialized in children. So that's different now. But of course, that's the way it is uh, was then. And this is certainly a challenge in rural areas across the United States. But just the fact that, you know, we live 45 minutes to an hour apart and the discrepancy and availability of services is extreme. Oh, oh, it is. And it's the same thing. And, you know, there are people that are 15, 20 minutes from me that have a variety of things to access, services to access. And so it is geographically uh, almost like a phenomenon that happens. It's just almost like, wow, they're in the middle of nowhere now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and as you know, also, and this is not unique to the state of Pennsylvania, just uh, the county that you're in, you know, I'm sure 15 to 20 minutes away from you, it's not that far, but I'm pretty sure it's a different county. And that mm-hmm. also impact availability of of resources as well. And, you know, again, this is not unique to Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania. This is a challenge that exists in a very real way across the United States. It absolutely does. So you talked about your nonprofit work. You also do consulting work, patent advocacy and consulting. So talk a little bit about the types of clients you work with and the types of challenges that that you're helping them work through. Sure. So what had happened through the nonprofit, a lot of our families were reaching out about school districts and legal advice. And so Uh, it was a little bit out of the nonprofit's realm. And, you know, because I studied special education law and because it's just you know, I'm a mom, I went through the process, and it is a process. Mm-hmm. And I left that process feeling that because I had doctor in front of my name, I was treated a little bit differently yeah. than I would have been treated if I was John Smith or Jane Smith. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make that more fair across the board for everybody. And I saw that different families were being treated differently yeah. for no reasons, for some reasons. But when the legal calls started coming in, I felt, you know, I need to help these families through the process. They came to me afraid. They came to me almost feeling bullied by either their district or whatever their education source for their child, and they just didn't know what to do. And so when clients call me, I walk them through the steps. I help them through paperwork because let's face it. The mounds and mounds and mounds of paperwork that a special needs parent receives on like a weekly basis is overwhelming. And I also notice a lot of our families, we've had an influx of individuals from Puerto Rico. And Mm -hmm. so they are Spanish speakers. And it's very difficult sometimes to receive all those documents in the native language, even though legally we need to do that. But sometimes that's very hard. And even in their own language, it is a very difficult document to read. Some of the IEPs I was reading were 60 pages. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot for our families to read, interpret, and even know what it means. There's a, there's a lot of words in there that, you know, if you don't have a degree in special education or have, you know, some sort of background to understand it, at first you're like, okay, well, what, what, what are you doing with my child? So then, you know, I explained to our families, okay, this is what they're proposing. I also do a lot of just, I sit and listen in meetings a lot of times. And it seems that our families just need support 
in a meeting because they are afraid. They're not sure. They feel as though things haven't gone right in the last year, or maybe they don't agree with something, and they just don't know how to approach it without emotion. Sure. Uh, so that's another way. I just kind of play like a neutral tone and try to figure out the best thing for my clients. And of course, I do facilitate if there is a situation where we do need to go to mediation or due process. Unfortunately, those you know situations happen. Yeah, and right. I help them find the legal representation that they need for that case. Wow. And you know, I know again, having grown up in a rural area. The fact that you've been able to build rapport and trust among your community goes a long way to them then inviting you to join them in an IEP meeting. I mean, that's very, very stressful going to an IEP meeting and then inviting someone in to, you know, help you navigate it. I mean, that really requires a lot of trust and a really strong relationship between you and the families and clients that you're working with. It does. It does. And, and you know, what also kind of don't advertise this, but what it comes along with it, a lot of our families may still be in the denial process. Yeah. They haven't fully accepted the fact that, you know, their child needs extra help. And so my initial consult is not necessarily for that, but as I work with the family and I build that rapport, I see, okay, we're still working through that in towards of acceptance. And then once we hit that point, it's like, oh, I'm going to help you spread awareness. And so it's a beautiful cycle that happens. And I'm just, I'm so blessed to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to come back real quickly to IEPs and the complexity of IEPs, because, you know, I, I really don't feel like anyone should be ashamed about asking questions about IEPs, but it happens all the time. And what you said about, you know, you almost need to have a background in special education to understand the lingo. I mean, it is almost like reading a foreign language when you look at an IEP sometimes. And you have a PhD. I have a PhD. <laughs> IEPs freaking flip me out because I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand a lot of what is in them. And I've been looking at them, you know, for 15 plus years. So I'm sharing this because for our listeners, there are a lot more resources out there now for IEPs, general information that's available online, the basics of IEPs. But you should feel completely and totally empowered to ask those questions. There's really not a stupid question when it comes to these things. And this is a legal document that is giving your child access to certain things in the school system. And so you should never feel guilty or dumb or whatever about asking questions. It's just, they're very, very overwhelming. Oh, they are. And I encourage our families to ask questions. I also encourage our families to ask why or show me the data or what makes you feel this way? Because a lot of times in this seems to be something that really is irritating to my family. They come to the IEP table and the IEP is presented to them. Yeah. That's not how it works. That's right. Um, an IEP is developed by a team. And so when you flop an IEP that's considered a draft in front of my families, they kind of like, well, how'd you get a draft without me be part of the team? And mm -hmm. so that 
right there just sets a tone. And I understand from the teacher perspective that we provide a draft with ideas where we would like them to see, because we understand the special ed part of it, that yes, we have state standards that we're trying to work towards. There's a curriculum that we follow that maybe our families don't necessarily understand all the, you know, back end stuff that we're doing, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's our job to work as a team to develop that IEP. And I think that's a key piece of information that our families really need to understand always, always ask questions, always want the data and ask why. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like what you were saying about, you know, ask that question. Where, where, where did you come up with this? What makes you think that? That's a really great thing to remember when you're looking at your child's IEPs, because there's quite possibly things that are being suggested that you might think there's no way they would work, or perhaps they're seeing something different in the classroom that you're not seeing at home. And so asking those questions is so important. We're going to start to wrap up, but Dr. Patton, what's a key takeaway that you want to leave with our audience? My key takeaway is as I'm doing this, as I'm growing and learning myself, I have learned developing that face-to-face relationship, and I do a lot of this through presenting and traveling and just learning and meeting other people and connecting with those moms, those dads, those caregivers, grandma, grandpa, whoever is in that child's life or individual's life, and making that connection and building that community. Me personally, I need that. That helps me with my isolations, the feelings of isolation. That helps me with that social stigma to know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And so I love leaving people with, you're not alone. We're out there. There are tons of special needs, moms, dads, caregivers that are out there that feel alone too. Mm-hmm. And so making those connections, joining a community, building your tribe is exactly what I needed to do. I needed to break out of the shell and just go do it. And I encourage other people to do it. Attend trainings, attend presentations, go online. I mean, that's the one thing COVID gave us was the abilities to meet online and to really beef up our virtual capabilities of being with people and yeah. so to take advantage of it and, you know, make those connections with one another. That's fantastic. I know that you do, again, you do a lot of speaking, presentations and such. Obviously, you have the consulting work that you do. But how can our audience find you if they're interested in inviting you to speak or present or be a part of maybe a group or organization they're involved with? Well, first and foremost, a lot of people find me on social media. I do little uh-huh. ditties every day. Uh, Doc Jess Patton, I'm on IG and I'm on Facebook. And, you know, I have people reach out to me like, hey, whatever you said to me on that little reel, it was awesome. That's where you can find me. If you just need a little pick me up, a little laugh, something, you know, to learn for that day. But I travel all over the place to speak. DocJessPatton.com. Also, uh, jpatton at P-A-N-C. Uh, com is my business, but you can always reach out through the Sense of Connection website too. So there's multiple ways to get a hold of me. I love to travel. I love to speak. I love to meet people. So I don't hesitate. We just got to work it into the schedule somehow. That's right. Well, we will also have all of Dr. Patton's contact information in the show notes and available for everybody so that you'll have all of her information to be able to reach out. Dr. Patton, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This was just a really awesome time. Thank you. You're welcome.
So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Village Vision Podcast. I hope you found inspiration and valuable insights from our conversation today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share, you know, all the things. And thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Village Vision Podcast here on Word of Mom Radio. Take care, and let's keep shining a light on the power of community, collaboration, and care. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true. She is brave.